Hey gang, Tom Mullen here. Do you have a child who spends more time than you'd like in front of screens consuming low quality content? Well, you can turn that screen time into something fun and worthwhile. I'm talking about mini coders, an educational game based platform including companion apps made for kids with video tutorials, virtual assistant, and games where kids learn coding skills while they play in the Roblox metaverse, all under the safety and guidance of a virtual assistant and in-game tutors. MiniCoders is perfect for homeschooled, unschooled, or traditionally schooled children alike and helps them build 21st century skills and have a ball doing so. Right now, you can try out MiniCoders with no obligation by registering for a free trial at TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash MiniCoders. That's M-I-N-I-C-O-D-E-R-S. Again, just visit TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash MiniCoders and start your free trial today. Every revolution starts in the minds of the people. Arm yourself for the war of ideas. Take back your life. Take back your liberty. Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Today, my guest is Gary Dixon. He's the town supervisor of West Seneca, New York. That is an Erie County suburb of Buffalo, New York. He is the first Republican to be elected town supervisor of West Seneca in 50 years back in 2019. So he was elected just in time to take over for 2020. Lucky him. And as of 2021, he has the first Republican majority town board in West Seneca. So things are changing in West Seneca, and we've got lots to talk about with him today. Gary, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Now, last week, the Erie County executive, Mark Polencars, instituted a mask mandate um, based on the number of cases or hospitalizations in Erie County. And you've made a little news for yourself over there by saying that West Seneca is not going to comply with the mask mandate. What does it mean for the town to not comply and what does it not mean? Well, I, I didn't say we would not comply. Um, I said I, I, I strenuously objected to it uh, for a number of reasons, but um, I, I did not say, and, and you know, sometimes people hear what they want to hear. You know, usually every t- I've done a few TV interviews and I always start with, you know, I am not anti-vaccine. I am not necessarily anti-mask. I've had my booster shot. I vaccinated. If, if a business asked me to, to wear a mask when I come in, I'm perfectly happy to comply. Um, but so, and then, you know, every, every title has got to be clickbait. So, you know, they put in, you know, will not comply. And it's, it's not true. I mean, I'm a retired FBI agent, you know, I believe in the law. Um, and even if I don't like the law, I still follow it. And, uh, you know, the, these mandates are uh, apparently legal. No court has, has challenged them. So therefore, you know, we have to come, we're complying in town, town uh, buildings, uh, which is really all I control. So is it expected that you will order the town police to enforce this? And and will you do that? Or is this something that's only enforced by the county sheriff? How does it work? No, I, you know, the, the West Seneca Police Department is has plenty of things to do already. 
Um, they, you know, they have all their jobs that they're normally doing, and they, they really don't have the capacity to, to go around uh, being the mask police. Uh, but, you know, this is a county mandate. Certainly the county has the right, the, the, the health department to do their inspections. I haven't heard of that they're doing anything. Um, I have been in some of the larger stores where and people, are, most people are wearing a mask, but there are people that are not. I think, you know, pe people are being a little more, giving people a little more leeway than uh, they did in the beginning. Well, and we are in a different situation than we were in March or April of 2020. We didn't know very much. Um, so isn't a different response called for? Yeah. So, so the, what caused me to, to object uh, was when he made, as you said, he made the announcement that uh, because of over, because of pending, you know, hundred percent capacity in the hospitals, he was instituting the mask mandate. And if that doesn't work, he's going to institute a vaccine mandate. And if that doesn't work, he's going to institute capacity restrictions. And if that doesn't work, it's, it's lockdown. You know, so we're back to, you know, we're back to March and April of 2020. So, you know, just simply as a, as a curious citizen, you know, when he said hospitals are near capacity, I thought, well, geez, I wonder what is the capacity of uh, hospitals in, in Erie County? So it turns out the health, health Department of Health and Human Services has, a, has been collecting data from every hospital in the United States since at least the middle of 2020 that is on a database that anybody can download and look at. And uh, so I downloaded it and I looked at it for, for Erie County. And I was very surprised to see that as recently as July, there were 300 more beds in Erie County, uh, about 2,300 uh, inpatient beds. And now there's 2,000. Uh, that's over 10% in four months. So I thought, well, geez, Obviously, if the number of available beds goes down, then that's just going to exacerbate the capacity problem. And, and, and it's true. If we still had those beds, we would not have the, 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 the hospitals would not be stressed like they are right now. We would be pretty much like we were six months ago. I mean, the hospitals would be getting by. So as, a, as someone who is in public life, and uh, I mean, I might have a master's degree in public policy. You know, our government is supposed to plan for this stuff and prepare for this stuff. And he's got, you know, he has a whole department full of, you know, full of epidemiologists and, a, uh, you know, he's got a health health commissioner and all that stuff. So why did they, what, why did the capacity go down? What could they have done about it? But the bigger question is, what are they going to do to fix it? Because I personally don't think COVID's going away. Um, you know, we've got waning vaccine uh, effectiveness. I mean, the J&J &J vaccine is almost worthless after six months. Um, and then we've got variants. Uh, so I, I think we're going to have, we're going to continue to have spikes. So it behooves government to prepare for that. And if he, you know, the state and the county have hundreds of millions of dollars that they got from the federal government in the American Rescue Plan. The state got about 178 million this year and next year. The county, I'm sure this, I mean, the county, county got about 178 million. The state probably got billions. Uh, how about instead of, you know, he's spending a lot of money fixing up our parks, which I love parks, but, you know, we got to have our priorities. 
How about spend a good chunk of that money to relieve our poor hospital workers uh, of, the, uh, of the, the, the problems that they're having with capacity? You know, we've got stories of people waiting for, you know, 10 and 10 hours for an emergency room. People aren't able to, to get elective surgeries. And um, has government prepared for that? Are they even aware of it? They must be aware of it. So I looked at the entire state of New York. And at the beginning of 2021, there were 45,000 inpatient beds. Now there's 40,000, 5,000 less. It's over 10% drop in, in, in a year. In a pandemic? I mean, to me, that's a, that's a catastrophe waiting to happen. And it shows how sensitive, I mean, our, 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 our hospitals are running so close to the edge that even adding 100 patients or 300 patients in a, in a system that has 2,000 beds is enough to drive them into crisis. And this is not the proper, you know, the proper response of government is to foresee this stuff, not, you know, just act like, oh, my God, what happened? You know, and, and these are, you know, building up capacity in hospitals is not a quick, uh, quick thing you can do. You know, it almost seems to somebody outside of government looking in that everybody got married to a couple of theories in March and April of last year. And no matter what evidence comes out, they're just going to stay with, with what they believe they want to believe works. Now, as far as masks go, a peer-reviewed study right on the CDC website came out. I remember this in May of 2020 because I was doing some paid independent research that concluded from every pandemic in the 20th century, they looked at them all, that no non-pharmaceutical interventions made a difference, including masks. And they dealt with the whole objection, well, why do surgeons wear masks? And they had a section in their study about that. Now, this was for influenza. But since that study, we have a year and a half of evidence. And I've seen much smarter people than I put out papers showing in this state, side-by-side counties, one had a mask mandate, one didn't. And you can't tell which one is which if you take the names away. So it just doesn't seem that the masks are working, at least not mandating them for the general population, whether they're, they have symptoms or not, or whether there's any reason to believe they have the virus or not. Where do you stand on that? Do you think that, that they're just married to this idea and they're just not going to let it go? Or is there something we out here don't know? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I agree. You know, you can you can find all sorts of studies and uh, but you know i mean science is uh, the process of trying to you know lift the veils from our eyes and it, it's gradual and um you know they do their best but there's a lot of there's a lot of things that cause just the ordinary person to look at and go huh like there are countries in Europe that are have a higher vaccination rate and more mandates and are also experiencing spikes. There are states in the United States that have lower vaccination rates, no mandates, and are not experiencing spikes right now. Maybe they had them earlier. I get it. They, everybody maybe experiences them at different times. But it's 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 pretty clear that there is nothing. There's not. There's no silver bullets. I mean, I sympathize with the county and with the state because everybody thought that vaccines were going to end it, right? Vaccine comes out a couple months later, we're done. Phew, all, look, look, it's all in our rearview mirror. And unfortunately, it hasn't happened that way because they're not 100% effective. They, they wane in effectiveness. 
and we have variants. So that's why I'm saying government has to decide, look, this we're, we got to be in this for a long for the long haul. And and hospitals um, are are a big part of it because we got to we got to we have to run our regular hospital with the regular parents, but we have to also be a patients. But we also have to be able to, to take the uh, occasional surge in uh, in COVID. But I think I think the hospitalization rate is much is lower now than it was earlier. The death rate is low, lower earlier. So we have some we are making headway. And so my my main my main objection was the mandates themselves. So what have you done before you mandate anybody to do anything? Have you done everything possible to, to fix it? So since he was blaming the hospital capacity on the on the mandate, the mandates on the hospital capacity, the logical question is what have you done everything you possibly could to maintain or even improve hospital capacity? And it's uh, with the information coming out of them, it's it's hard to say that they have done that. The we will not comply. <laughs> that headline came off the WKVW website. And I have, you know, pe- people call me up and say, hey, on, on WBEN, they just said this. So I call them up and said, did you guys say that? If you did say it, would you please don't, uh, we are not, you know, the way I look at it and, and, you know, the Erie County legislature, the minority caucus, which is, uh, I think, three Republicans and a conservative, they sent a letter to the, uh, uh, the state legislature basically saying, admitting that his his mandates are legal, but objecting to the fact that he's still got you know, emergency powers after almost two years and that, that, that this is happening. And they were appealing to the legislature to remove his powers, which they probably will not, but they're legal. So they're legal under a law that was passed by a legislature signed by the governor, all per the constitution of the state. Therefore, it's legal. I'm a public officer who is sworn to you know, protect the Constitution of, of New York, so that's what I'm going to do, even if I don't like it. I don't think public officers should get to decide what laws they feel like enforcing and what laws they don't feel like enforcing. I would be perfectly happy to, to hear a court tell me that, okay, you don't have to anymore because we think this is not constitutional or it's illegal, and we've already had some federal, federal courts that have stayed orders uh, from the federal government. Um, you know, and the other thing that we don't mention is that or I haven't mentioned yet is that they're, they have fired or are in the process of firing a lot of hospital workers because of they won't um, take ma- uh, be vaccinated. So, um, so they're hurting capacity. I, I know a lot of people, I've talked to a lot of people since I came out with that statement Many are for, many are against. Some people are, you know, are rabidly against uh, my position. And they think that at least two women told me that people who are not vaccinated should not be entitled to hospital care. That if they show up, uh, if they show up at a hospital and they haven't been vaccinated, they should be left outside in a tent and, uh, you know, and then just die, I guess. So there are there are crazy people on both sides. So try to maintain, you know, some some level of reasonableness. Reasonableness. Well, believe it or not, my audience would be very aware of Supreme Court cases when it comes to the federal government and the states, where they've ruled that if there's a federal law 
that has either been challenged and found to be constitutional or just hasn't been challenged and is assumed to be constitutional, that a state that objects to it doesn't have to expend its resources to enforce that law. If the federal agents want to come in and enforce it, then okay, we'll have to comply with that, but we're not going to spend our money enforcing this thing that we don't agree with. And that could be a liberal state not liking the immigration laws, or that could be a a conservative state not liking the gun laws. Is there any such provision for a town supervisor as opposed, you know, in relation to the state or to the county or a county executive in relation to the state? Or is that not the case with uh, inside a state, which is more considered more to be sovereign? I'd, I'd have to take a pass on that. I, I, I don't know. Um, I don't, um, like I said, you know, our police department is, is, is fully occupied doing what it is that they do day to day. Um, so, uh, you know, we can just, we just have to leave it at that. Um, we are, uh, we do, uh, have a requirement. If you want to come into town building, you have your, we request that you wear a mask. Um, but you know we're not going to get in a drag, uh, a knockdown, drag down, drag out fight uh, if someone refuses. You know if they're there, if they're in a government building and they want to take care of uh, business. You know they just you know, and they refuse, just fine. Come in, do your business, and then you know please, we, please go. You know, but we had a town board meeting on Monday, and you know we we wore masks, the audience wore masks, and um, you know if people you know need a medical, uh, uh, I forget what they call it. Uh, accommodation that, you know, if you can't wear it, you can't wear it. You know, we're not going to argue with you. If you can wear, if, you, if you've got a shield, you'd rather wear, you know, please do that or, or something, you know, or whatever. I mean, there are, you know, if you can't wear a mask, you can't wear a mask. We're not going to like force you. that time of the year again when we're all looking for something special to give friends and loved ones for the holidays. Unfortunately, the government and its bank have worked especially hard this year at doing what they do best, make things more expensive for the rest of us. Well, I have great news. You can get a free copy of my new ebook, An Anti-State Christmas. That's my gift to you in appreciation for listening. But that's not all. I've also made the book available as a paperback at an incredibly low price, so you can get a few copies to give as gifts. It makes a great stocking stuffer. And don't worry, this is not some preachy libertarian treatise. It's full of fun and even includes a special Christmas beverage recipe. Get more information and your free ebook at antistatechristmas.com. We help each other when we don't mean to. That's what we call the invisible hand Something no politician understands Just leave it up to supply and demand And follow the goal And I, I just want to say for the record, too, and I, I think sometimes, especially with the media, the, the, the third option doesn't seem to be considered, which is, okay, if you're not prohibiting, or I should say, if you're not requiring people to wear a mask, that doesn't mean you're prohibiting let's say a, a privately owned business from requiring masks, they can require masks. They can require me to wear a blue shirt if they want to. Right. So um, 
you know, there, there's nothing about this that says that, you know, I as an individual couldn't call the, the store I'm going to and say, hey, you're going to be letting unmasked people in there. And if you are, I might not come. So just because it's not mandated doesn't mean it's prohibited, I guess, is where I'm going. Right. And in my statement, I use the word uh, counterproductive for, for the mandates. Um, and, you know, I was, well, what do you mean it's counterproductive? What, I mean, what are you, a doctor? No, I'm not a doctor. And it really, not so much the, um, the uh, masks, but the, you know, the next step, the vaccine mandate, that I think is counterproductive because everybody's pretty much made up their mind about the vaccines. So the, your main effect is going to be, you're going to, all the people that don't want to are just going to dig in even deeper and they're going to just hate even more. And, and for actually pretty good reason, you know, this government is treating us like children. They're not really telling us what they're doing, why they're doing things. It's just, nope, we're going to have a mandate. And there's too many, there's too many beds. Don't, don't, don't think, or there's too few beds. Uh, don't ask why there's too few beds because <laughs> that might make us look bad. And therefore, if you do ask the question, then, oh, well, it's political. Well, let's let's face it. Everything that comes out of a politician's mouth could be claimed to be political. Their accusation of me being political is political, and that that's what they do. That's what people <laughs> do to discredit the opposition. Is to say, don't even. It's political. Therefore, you don't even have to consider the argument that you can forget the fact that the federal government, your own hospital reporting shows you've got ten percent fewer beds. You know which any person who's a citizen should be in the middle of a pandemic should be kind of concerned about. Um, so, but, so going back to this counter productivity argument, you know, all you, what you're mainly going to do is you're going to make everybody dig in even more. Uh, and that is counterproductive. I mean, in West Seneca, about 80% of the people, according to the county are already vaccinated. And then you figure, you know, how many of the rest of them have had COVID, therefore have at least some level of, of immunity. Uh, and then you've got a certain percentage of people that medically can't do it, you know, can't for whatever reason be, be get the vaccine. So we're, you know, if, if you throw all that together, you know, what do you reach? We don't know, but, you know, is it 90%? Is it 95%? I mean, we're, you know, at 80% vaccinated already. And then, yeah, and, and the county is like, that's of adults, by the way. In the county, it's like 77% of adults, you know, and then the children are getting it and things like that. And then, and, and someone said, you know, plus, someone said to me, you know, plus the other mandates, you know, the, the, that impact businesses, then you start an additional epidemic of business failures. So, and then education, what's happening to our children? I mean, it's, it's a tough situation to be in, in government certainly in a, in a government that has control over medical facilities like the county and the state. I get it, but you know, no one forces us to run and no one forces is forcing us to serve. The other thing about this since the beginning that has baffled me is that nobody has uttered a word about the cost of any of these policies. Now, you know, the mask mandate probably wouldn't have as much cost to it as the, as a lockdown. But there is a cost, especially for children. And I, I know that the school districts are not under your jurisdiction, but let's just say even for adults, I mean, walking around and, 
and not seeing each other's faces for years on end has some kind of social cost. And I just, it, do you get any information as an elected official about any of the, let's say, non-COVID health effects of lockdowns or masks? How many deaths did we cause from drug overdoses or suicides or whatever? How many excess deaths were there, you know, as a cost of doing this? It just never seems to even be a consideration. No, you're right. I don't know the numbers. I think I've read articles that say things like suicides and drug overdoses are up. Murders are up, in, at least in some cities. Uh, I know that our school district uh, has hired additional psychologists and social workers to, uh, to deal with um, some of the effects of this. You know, kids who are excessively truant or, you know, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a tragedy what's what's happened to our kids um so yes there are there are significant costs that cannot be measured as easily as the number of people who got sick yes yeah, certainly and i you know, i'm not a psychologist but i or a psychiatrist but i can't believe that let's just say a kid that's now just turning seven years old who might have been five when this started i mean this is like a third of that kid's life they've walked around in a mask there's got to be a cost to that and it's you know i guess what frustrates me is nobody acknowledges it and everybody acts like there's no trade-offs here and especially when you start talking lockdown i think there's a huge cost now if a public official came out and said look this is going to cost some lives, but it's going to cost more if we don't do it. I don't happen to agree that the lockdowns actually did anything, but at least that would be acknowledging it. And, you know, the media doesn't seem to be interested in asking questions like that. Do you feel that they've been honest with us? I don't know. I think that I, I, I mean, that's the short answer is I don't know. I think the media has suffered a lot, you know, in the last 20, 30 years from you know, loss of revenue. So they're not as good, maybe as good as they used to be. Um, the rise of, you know, have to do clickbait, you know, tie, uh, headlines. Uh, but yeah, they don't seem to be, when, when, when we were kids, they were more curious or more independent and asked questions um, of, of power. I mean, that's their job is to question power uh, and not simply regurgitate you know, what's, what's in a press release or not, not advocate, not think you're on the same team because you have to be supporting X policy, regardless of the party. So I guess that's where I was going with that question is that I watch a telecast or a, a, a webcast of pulling cars up speaking. And then I hear the questions and I think, well, they seem to think their job now is to just write down what he said and tell us in the 21st century. I don't need you to do that. I can watch it myself on my phone. Right. So I need you to challenge him. Even if you probably agree with what he's saying, at least challenge it, vet these policies. That's how you serve the public to make sure that the policies get vetted by somebody and the tough questions get asked. And maybe the answers will be good, but, you know, to just kind of repeat them, I, I don't know the difference between propaganda. I know that sounds like hyperbole, but when you're just repeating what government officials are saying as if it's the unquestionable truth, I don't think you're doing much service to the public. And another thing about the mandates that I kind of find objectionable, or at least the arguments for them, is that if you don't share their opinion, then you're stupid. You know, if you're a, a young woman 
who doesn't want to get vaccinated because she has a fear that it might impact her fertility. You know, that is not, she is not stupid. She is thinking about her own health and she's concerned. And because just because her estimate of the risk is different than yours, you know, mine, you know, cause you know, me 63 year old guy is going to think, ah, you know, so what if it's a one in a thousand or one in 10,000 chance that it could impact her fertility? Well, but for the person who's actually impacted to her, it might be a huge deal. And yet we, you know, or the people that are on the, who, who are for the vaccines think she's stupid or she's, you know, she's a typhoid Mary, she's going to spread disease throughout the whole country or no, she's got perfectly legitimate reasons that we have to respect. Um, you know, I think there are, I don't think all mandates are bad. I think there are circumstances where they're necessary. I mean, if this disease was like in the early 1900s with smallpox or something, you know, or, but this is, this, this disease has a mortality for sure, but it's like one or what, 1% mortality. No, it depends a lot on the age group as well. Right. And if you count, if you count long COVID, let's say, you know, just throw in another 9%, whatever. So 90%, 90% of the people recover fully. Um, you know, individuals have to make those kind of, those kind of bar, you kind of, they have to think about those things, whether, so that when they make the decision, um, I guess, that there are, and there are a lot, some people that say the vaccines are more, there's more injury from the vaccines than is being published. I have absolutely no idea about that, but you know, you can find stuff like that out there. Well, certainly there's, there's more reported on the VAERS system and that's self-reporting. So you can kind of say, well, we don't know for sure if they, these self-reporting people are right, but after a while, when it's many, many times what all the other vaccines combined <laughs> have ever had reported, then, you know, you have to say, well, there's got to be something there. And getting back to your example with the woman, yeah, I mean, when are we going to see some humility from these public health officials? There's been a lot of things that were absolutely true 10 months ago that they're now reversed themselves on. So, okay, I'm, I'm not asking for anyone to be perfect, but my gosh, learn from your mistakes and let's not make another one. We don't know what we're going to find out in five years. Maybe it won't have any effect on fertility, but if we find out that it did, and we not only suggested, but demanded that that person take that vaccine, and then she's got a problem that can't be reversed, who's going to be responsible? So yeah, a little humility, a little <laughs> inquisitiveness from the press would go a long way. I don't want to keep you all day here, but I want to ask you one more question based on the position you've taken, which, you know, is a lot more nuanced than is being reported. What consequences, if any, do you anticipate going forward? Well, there's really, you know, an elected official, there's not the only real consequence is usually the next election. Uh, you know, and, and I'm, you know, this, I have not, I am not committed to running again for anything. So we'll just wait, you know, my, my, the reason I 
came became supervisor was because I, I saw we had a need for a, a for better for good government in town and uh, and uh, in uh, tax you know tax control you know control over our finances uh, which had gone up twenty percent in about five years and uh, and, and open and uh, transparent government. So, you know, if I can achieve that in four years, then maybe that's it. Um, but, but that is the, you know, what, what else? I mean, uh, theoretically, a court or the legislature could remove you from office. But uh, other than that, I mean, people could yell at you. That's, <laughs> that's uh, online and, and not. And that's part of the job, no matter what you do, right? Yeah, I actually had to, I, turn, I, I, I got smart and I just turned off the comments on all my posts on my West Seneca Gary Dixon Facebook page because People were just using it to to argue with each other. Often, it's like, okay, I just if you and, and if you turn if if I turn off all the comments, then that's okay. The ACLU says that's okay because I can't discriminate. So if I just don't allow any comments, it's okay. <laughs> A wise move. I wish I wish we could all do that sometimes or be smart enough to do that. Well, Gary, I really appreciate your time. I wish you the best of luck with the rest of your term, and uh, we'll keep tabs and see what's going on as uh, we move forward into year two of the new normal. Thanks very much. Thanks, Tom. Okay, friends, that's going to do it for today. Don't forget to get a free copy of my new ebook, An Anti-State Christmas, at antistatechristmas.com. Of course, if you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you normally listen. And please do go to the Tom Mullen Talks Freedom website at TomMullenTalksFreedom.com and leave a review. And if you like the music you've heard on Tom Mullen Talks Freedom, you can hear more at TomMullenSings.com. Thanks for listening. The war of ideas has only just begun. Arm yourself with the knowledge you need by heading to TomMullenTalksFreedom.com and subscribing to our email list. And remember, every revolution starts in the minds of the people.